Hello and welcome to the fourth Fight Like a Girl podcast. Um, today I don't have any preamble about the microphones um, because they seem to have worked pretty fine this time. So um, I'm just going to jump right into it. Today's podcast is with uh, Melanie Duran and she recently received her black belt from Victor Estima and yeah, I wanted to speak to her because she has a very interesting story about... Um, training with uh, an, a very severe injury to her back and uh, and her neck. So um, I really wanted to speak to her mainly because I also suffer from issues with my back and it's nice to see that there's still progression that I can achieve in the sport whilst suffering from such ailments. So um, yeah, without further ado, I'm just going to get straight into it. Enjoy. I'm not even out of breath at the end. Yeah. What have you done for the past two hours? We have a guy. We have a guy. He comes and he has his hair in a quiff up here somewhere. (laughs) And he comes in and he's like, he's very pretty. Don't get me wrong. And he comes in and he goes home and his hair's still in the same place. And I'm, as you can see, like, come on. What? (laughs) What? Yeah, Some people have it so easy. And I say, dude, you know, no, sister, don't get near my head. (laughs) Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. if only. <laughs> See, my hair's just massive. And, like, it's so thick. Oh, it's, like, roughly, it's really long, isn't it? I know, I need to get it cut. Like, because it's taken me, like, an hour to wash it, dry okay. it, and straighten it. When I first started, I could sit on my hair. <laughs> and then you're like, fuck yeah. this. Uh, that, exactly. <laughs> I started and just, it was like it, they kept kneeling on it till they weren't beating oh. me with technique. They'd kneel on my hair so I couldn't like get away. So then they'd be able to get on top of me. So I said to my husband, I'm cutting it. He was like, oh, you're not. I was like, I am. I said, he said, take a bit off. I said, well, so from here, then here, then here. <laughs> and then by, the, by my blue belt, <laughs> it was this short. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, when I went to Europeans last year, um, my second fight, I was stuck in this girl's clothes guard and she was trying to get me with a cross collar choke. But where she had my hand gripped, she had my hair as well. So I couldn't, so my oh, head was stuck like yeah. that. And I was just like, the referee should be saying, let go, let go of her of hair. hair. Yeah. But no, <laughs> I was there for five minutes and I got out of the cross collar choke. And as soon as I went to cut across her knee, she rolled over and got me in an armbar. And I was like, oh. no, my European dreams have been dashed. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs> oh. oh no, yeah, 100%. Honestly, with long hair, it was a flipping nightmare. The amount of times that I would tap because they were on my hair, and it was like, well, I haven't got you up, no, but you're sitting on my head, you yeah. know. And I, half the time, I'd say, mate, you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not. You know you were. You know you were. flavour, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck off my hair. <laughs> You're a real piece of shit, do you know that? Yeah, thanks for the role. <laughs> um, right, oh, so we, we will start. <laughs> um, so, I meant to ask you this before we started the podcast. Is it Doran or Duran? Either or. Um, we say Doran. Um, a lot of people would say Duran. We say Doran. There. Does anyone say Duran Duran? Uh, yes, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Durans are arrived. It's just the reflex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
obviously, your Melanie Duran. And uh, you recently got your black belt from, was it Victor? Yes. Uh, Victor Esteema um, from, it is Gracie Baja Nottingham that you fight out of. It is, correct? yes, the main headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so to start the podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to the very beginning. And when did you, when did you start jiu-jitsu? Whew, well, I started martial arts a long time ago, um, but... I started with kickboxing, um, <laughs> as most of us do. Yeah, with kickboxing, taekwondo, 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 taekwondo for daughter. And then we started kickboxing. So I used to get a real sort of kickboxing because it was so intense, so high speed. It was, you know, it really made you really think, yeah, exciting. I got like sort of Punched tired in the face. of getting hit in the face. <laughs> You know, after a while, your lips get sore. <laughs> you talk funny. <laughs> but no, I mean, we had some really good times. Kickboxing was amazing. We fought out of um, Andy Critterton in Doncaster. He's got a martial arts club, uh, ACMAC. Uh, we started kickboxing there and we started competing. Um, 2011 was the year that was my best year, shall we say. So I took six national titles in 2011. Um, we went to a super fight night, which was amazing. Uh, loved it. I got beat by three points, but you know the whole experience of walking out to music into a ring in the middle of a room with like three or four hundred people watching you was fantastic. See, that's what I want for jujitsu. <laughs> I have I have a couple of ideas in mind yeah. in um, for my next competition. But one of them is I would like some competitors who are a little higher level to have the walkout music and have like a big spectacle of their fight. I mm-hmm. think that would be fun. I'm, I'm hoping to get unitards because that would also be funny. <laughs> That'd be quite cool. <laughs> we went to an um, MMA show, a um, jiu-jitsu show, in, uh, recently in Manchester and they had uh, music when they walked out, mm. you know. Um, and some of our friends was on there, uh, Sean Coates, who's one of the coaches here. He's amazing, absolutely amazing guy. Um, he came out and his music came on. But I think when you actually just step out and you walk and you hear your music, that's when your heart races and your adrenaline starts. And I think that's what you need prepping yourself before you actually step on the mat. So the idea mm. of the music and the walkout yeah. would be fantastic, you know? Yeah. But I, I think it's one thing that's missing from jiu-jitsu competitions at the minute. Like, the only competition that I've been to that actually has... Uh, Music, whilst people roll, is um, uh, Cleos, okay. where they have like just the, the best 80s um, rock music and metal music and stuff. And like, it's one of my favourite competitions solely for that reason. Not solely for that reason. Like, it's run by uh, Dan Strauss and a few of his friends. Yes. And um, like, who was I fighting? Uh, I lost my fight in an absolute and um one of my favorite things about losing in jiu-jitsu is it means that if you have to fight again for like third or fourth place there's no pressure <laughs> or anything <laughs> so you just get to go and have fun and yeah. um, when i was i fought a girl called emma percy and we got to um i spoke to dan beforehand i was like i need you to play a song for me i need you to play thunder in your heart and he was like he was like yes yes with the thunder in your heart and um yeah so we were when our fight started i 
got to listen to that and sing it in Emma's ears. And we had the most fun <laughs> that I've ever had at a competition. <laughs> I, th- I think sometimes, like you say, it's um, if you can get yourself in that place. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that like really need, you really need that. Sometimes you go to some competitions and there's so many people that's so nervous and mm. they're so looking around for not support but a bit of you know a bit of something yeah um and i think like you say i mean for us with crazy baja you you will very rarely see a child or an adult on their own you know in yeah. competition it's it's always we we are there we have somebody there yeah, with it doesn't and matter which no and it, GB you it could be from, anywhere it's always yeah. gracie baja behind gracie baja. anywhere in the world it could be you can go to any competition and europeans was uh my first introduction to gracie baja in general because mm-hmm. anyone who was fighting you'd have like just people screaming from the like the balconies yeah. gracie baja, <laughs> gracie baja. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, quite oh. loud. <laughs> but I didn't have this. <laughs> it's good, though, because I believe the support is phenomenal, yeah. you know. And like I say, I mean, before um, before we had all of that, you know, it was like you would go to a competition and you almost felt on your own sort of thing. Mm. You're trying to get yourself in the zone, but there's the, the backing and the support wasn't there. But then mm. when you walk in and you, it's almost like a massive red shirt, it's crazy. You know, we do stand out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, the first competition I was supposed to do was Cleos um, back at the end of 2016. But I got super nervous beforehand because like, it was my first competition. I didn't want to show the, the gym up. So I signed up for another competition a couple of weeks before and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to go there and knock out the nerves and stuff. And I went by myself and uh, like my sister took me. She has no idea what jujitsu is and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I finished fighting at Cleos that I actually understood properly that like support's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's like nobody cares if I win or lose this fight. And no. like they care that I stepped on the mat and did it in the first place. And um like that's another thing I find beautiful about this sport. No one like winning's great, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but like you're there to test yourself and you're there to represent your team and like win or lose, you went out there and you did it. And like there's no one who enters the competition and loses that like as long as you did your best, you left it all on the mats, like you gave them a good show. That's what it is. Like yeah. that's jujitsu. <laughs> it is. I think that is the beauty about what we do. You know, at the end of the day, do you really lose? No, because you know, next time you don't put your hand there, or you don't put yeah. your arm there, or you know, if your head's in a triangle. Well, maybe I shouldn't be here. You know, so yeah. next time you come around and you think, ah, that's where my head was last time. <laughs> Let's move it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I say it's. For me, yeah, that is. I am exactly like yourself, as we were saying earlier. You know, sometimes the nerves do take over what we do, and if we allow it to... Yeah. So, like, for me, in competition, like, I don't really get nervous leading up to it. I don't get nervous when I get to the venue on the day. My nerves kick in when uh, you're called to the side of the mat, and mm. you're waiting for the fight to finish before you can go on. That's when my heart starts to beat and I start getting amped up. Yeah. And like everyone 
that I've spoken to about this, they experience it differently. They're like, two weeks leading up to it, everything's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And like, they get really nervous about it. There are people who have no nerves at all until like they get onto the mat and then that's when they're nervous. But like, I'm very fortunate in that when, like I have a lot of people staring at me in general on a day-to-day basis. So I don't mind the crowds. I don't mm-hmm. mind the noise and everything. And like, as soon as I step onto the mat, I can treat that like I'm back in my gym with competition training. Mm-hmm. So like everything kind of slows down and I can just enjoy myself. But um like it's not even just a white belt thing. I know some people who like just get nervous around fighting in general, mm-hmm. like in front of people. And like I always find it fascinating how different people treat the situations differently. So when when do you like experience your nerves if you're going to compete? Um, for me, it's it's very similar to yourself. The, as I say, I haven't been able to compete quite a lot, but you know, on the occasions I have managed to get across the mat, it, for me, it was always the same: standing at the side and waiting, mm. because you've seen everything that's gone on. You know, you've seen everybody fighting and giving it all, and your adrenaline's going. And then when you step across the mat, you touch hands. And it stopped. Mm. You know, it's almost like somebody puts a switch on. Yeah. And your nerves is gone. And it's like, I'm ready now. You know? Yeah. And if you, can, if you can do that, then, you know, it's, it's great, but no. I accredit that to, like, the success I experienced last year. I was, where I was able to switch mindsets very quickly, like, in that situation, I think that really helped me when I was competing a lot because mm-hmm. I got to train that aspect of it. But... um like, I don't know where I'm going with this. What was I going to say? But it is very much like as soon as you tap hands, your body knows this is what we're doing. It's time to go. Yeah. yeah. And like if you're comp training every week, if you're doing like hard rolls every now and then, your body's going to be used to it. And it's going to be like, I recognize this slap and bump. This mm-hmm. is when we just hit the mat. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. So yeah, like that's super fun. Um, we were talking about your Thai career. <laughs> kickboxing, you do Thai. <laughs> but yeah, kickboxing, um, yeah, we started and we loved it. But obviously I started doing um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu while I was kickboxing and I, um, I was rolling with somebody and I got injured. Um, I got hugged uh, over both arms and my head got st- pushed into the mat yeah so it popped my discs c5 and 6 at the top of my neck so obviously I couldn't get hit in the head anymore so I was so close to my black belt I was ready for what we called the cycle belt for kickboxing which is um six months of fitness uh training and then you move and you do your grading on the following day for following six months for your black but I didn't get there because I couldn't get hit in the head anymore so I had to retire from kickboxing oh but, um, I mean, I was, I'd only been on the mat when I got injured. I think I was only been on the mat about four months. I was still white belt. And um, I didn't realise just how badly I'd injured my neck because I just thought, you know, oh, it's a bit sore. So I never really got it checked out and I continued to train. And my husband was saying to me, you know, maybe you should get it checked. And I was like, oh, it'd be fine, it'd be fine. <laughs> you know yeah. um and then it went on for quite a while and then after a while my coach at the time said um 
maybe you should get it checked. And I was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And then I was rolling again and I turned and I went to roll over my shoulder and it really like got really sore. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I should. <laughs> so I went and got it checked and um, they said to me, look, you know, what did you do? And I told them and they were like, we need to sort it, you know, um, we need to have, you need to have surgery because it's pushing on your spinal cord because my right arm was numb. Uh, all down here was all numb, you know, I was losing couldn't grip properly and it was and you're like that. no no it's yeah, fine I'm, I'm, no no I was, seriously I, I was so bad I'm like yeah <laughs> and then they said oh we'll do surgery so they I don't see it I've got like a scar in the front here they went Ooh. in through the front and you can just see it here and they took and they fused the discs at the back of my neck so I was like and they were like no you know you cannot do this anymore you you, you risk being really seriously injured and I was mm. like well do they really understand what it is what we do mm. or is it just a safety thing you know saying oh you've got an injured <laughs> neck please stop doing what you're doing yeah so my husband uh, said to me well you know maybe just take a little bit of time off let it heal after the surgery which I did but I was at the side of the mat watching and just keeping an eye on it and wanting to not not fall behind as such but Wanting to see and continue to see what other people were learning at my level sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because my worst fear would be that if I didn't go, I would lose interest and, you know, maybe not go back. Yeah. Because I, too much time away from the mat would be you might find something else. And But for me, jiu-jitsu was what I wanted to do. My very first class, um, before I even got injured, uh, we did a no-gi class um, and my husband was on the mat. There was no girls ever. No girls. It was always big, huge men. Um, seriously, when, when we were at Andy's, um, we did the no-gi grappling. And there was six of them. One of them was 27 stone. You know, the other guy was close to hitting 22 stone. The others were like 19, 18 stone, um, 13 stones. And I was like, to them, I mean, I've, I've actually got a photograph on my Facebook. It is so, I'm so tiny compared to these big guys. Um, and it was um, really awkward, like really awkward. So when I got injured, I thought to myself, you know, I'd, I'd pushed myself that far to get past the girl boy thing. And I didn't want to lose that time on the mat. So... I gave it, gave it six months. Mm. Um, well, not quite six months, shall we say, but you know, <laughs> you nearly, gave it as much nearly, as you could. Nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I came back and my husband said to me, you know, just be careful. So we worked together quite a bit. Mm. Um, and my, my training partners at the time were all aware of, you know, the injuries and stuff. So I just took it slow. And obviously there was certain stuff like choking of the neck was, you know, yeah. not really happening and guillotines, no. But the other stuff came along and I started moving and we did the self-defense, which I really focused on. Mm. So eventually I got back on the mat, you know, and I was really into my sparring, really into my rolling. And I thought, yeah, doing great. And then I ended up in a car crash and damaged the middle and the base of my spine. So, you know, came home and my husband said to me, oh, are you okay? I was on the on the um, sofa and I was like, no, I don't feel very well. So went and got that checked and unfortunately I damaged the uh, lumbar part of my spine and the thoracic area as well. Lovely. So, you know, the top was already gone, the middle bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were saying, no, no more, that's it. You know, you need to stop. 
Um, but for me, it wasn't an option by then. I was, yeah. you know, I was at my blue belt and I was addicted. I just, I loved the feeling I got from the jiu-jitsu. Nothing, I've done taekwondo, I've done kickboxing, you know, street self-defense, but none of it gave me what I get from jiu-jitsu. The, the yeah. feeling inside is unreal, you know. And I was gutted when I got injured, but I was adamant, you know, this is not going to stop. No way. My mm. husband was saying, I think we should, you know, just take it easy, maybe think about it. But then I got to a stage where I was thinking, well, maybe, you know. And then it was like a total switch around. No, you can't quit, come on. Let's just do this and focus <laughs> on that and focus on this. And he pushed me. He pushed me so hard, really hard, you know. But I think having the back end of my husband and my daughter, because obviously they've seen me in pain. They, yeah. they saw me at my worst, shall we say. But then they helped me through all the bad times when I can't train. I'm a nightmare. If I cannot get on the mat, I am so bad. Honestly, I am snappy. You know, I'm mean for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad. When you get used to choking people to relieve stress. Then there's like, nothing. <laughs> nothing really equates to that. No, no. Like, but, I, I really enjoy how um, Joe Rogan describes it as high-level problem-solving with dire consequences. Like, yeah. that's... It sums it up for me because you don't get that level of urgency with other martial arts. Because, like, when you're striking, especially, you can't go all out in sparring. You can't do all of that. But in jiu-jitsu, it's, it's safe enough that... Well, you have to have the understanding and trust in your partners that they're not going to mm. be dicks about anything. <laughs> yeah. You can literally go all out and leave everything where it is and your brain is constantly engaged, your body's constantly engaged. And it just, I, I think I spoke about it on one of the previous podcasts where I, like, I use it as a hard reset for my body. Mm. So like if I'm suffering from, like, I suffer with anxiety and depression, like, quite heavily. So if I'm having a particularly bad episode, I go to jujitsu because, like, with uh, my depression, like, you tend to focus on stuff in the past or, and then the anxiety is stuff in the future. And, like, with jujitsu, you have to, you're forced to live in the present. So that's why I call it my hard reset because I, I don't get to think about the bad things. I don't get to think about anything that's coming or going and things like that. I just think about what they doing with that arm. What are they doing with <laughs> that, that leg? Oh, it's around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Their hips coming up. How's that yeah. happening? I don't understand. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm in a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's what I enjoy about it. Everything is constantly engaging and like I'm going through it at the moment where I can't train. So um, like yourself, I'm trying to stay in as much as I can by going to classes and watching and learning from other people. But um, I am kind of going up the wall a little bit. <laughs> it does. I think because like you say, your mind and your body are pushed to the limits when you're on the mat. Yeah. You know, and going from that extreme to nothing is got to be, you know, it brings you crashing back down to earth mm. and you just need something to focus on. So for me, when I was injured, you know, being at the side of the mat, watching people, talking to people, just interaction, the whole interaction with the people that come into your gym, 
you know that gives you the, the the buzz as well because although you're not on the mat, you're they're asking you questions and you're answering questions and you know your mind's still going. Whereas yeah. if you sit back and don't do it, you've got time to think and get miserable mm. and down and depressed and you know being on there. That to me, that's everything. Yeah, like people talk about ring rust as well. Like if mm. you're not doing it, then you're gonna your your skill level will degrade. But I don't think that's necessarily correct in that I think if you're at least engaged in the sport in some way you're not going to degrade as much as you would mm. if you're just sitting in bed watching cartoons all day which is my current life oh, <laughs> 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 I've just been watching Gumball for like the past oh, week no. and a half and it's you need to watch you need to come to class and watch <laughs> exactly exactly and that's what I that's what I am doing now now that I can now that I can leave my house now um, you've been set free <laughs> but um yeah like if you're like watching videos or watching like um the demonstrations from the instructors and how to do things and just watching people roll in general mm-hmm. like as it's a mental sport as much as it is a physical sport you're still building the connections in your brain to how things do and then like when you go back to it it's just about building the physical connection to the mental 100 percent, yeah mm-hmm. you learn a lot um when that was my worst fear when i was off the mat i was thinking am i going to forget everything that i know you know and when i started there were no girls mm. every every class was men and to let somebody into your personal space is hard. Yes. You know, it's so difficult. And I worked initially, I just worked with my husband. It was like me and him and he'd pair up. But then obviously when it come to sparring, it was, well, I can't just stay with my husband. So, <laughs> you know, and I always remember um, <laughs> we, we did a first class in a gi. And um, this guy was teaching this guy called Steve Marsden. Um, he taught, he came to a gym and he taught us a class. And he was sitting above me in some sort of, well, it's a modified mount. At the time, I had no idea what he was doing. I just know he was sitting, you know, with his above my head. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there and he kept talking about thrusting your hips and, you know, you have to really push forward. And, you know, my husband can be very childish at times and he's looking on the sidelines <laughs> And he's doing this and, you know, we're going, I'm thinking, trying to be serious. And, but he was making a game of it. And obviously to get past that is hard. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it's difficult. And, you know, certain experiences you have is, it'll make it even more difficult. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was saying, yeah, I've gone off track. But, yeah, my very first experience of a... Jiu-Jitsu and working with men was difficult. It was. It would be so nice now. Like in this gym, we have lots of girls, mm. lots of girls. You know, if we'd had so many girls years ago, it would have been amazing. And it's taken yeah. a lot of time to get where we are now. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Where, like, I think the sport itself is. It's still. It's not in its infancy, but I'd say it's in its adolescence. It's mm. trying to figure out what it is, especially in the UK. Like you've got 
lots of different governing bodies coming out. You've got lots of uh, different gyms, everybody teaching things in a different way, different belt grading systems, different, um, just different approaches to everything. And I think that's brilliant for the sport because difference breeds uh, innovation and you get to build and learn new things like both on and off the mats. Mm. But like, um, I do find it weird that it's taken to its adolescence for there to be a strong female presence within the sport. Um, like you're always going to have certain level of like, tomboys who go into the sports very early on because they see it as a challenge but then it it becomes more of a challenge as the sport grows from its infancy to its adolescence where it is male dominated for um women to become engaged in the sport because they see it as male dominated Mm -hmm. so like as someone who's you've been in it You've been in jiu-jitsu from very early on and you've seen the the female population within the sport grow. Like, what would you say was the turning point for jiu-jitsu? What do you think it was that kind of made more people curious about it in I general? think from, a, from a, my perspective, I think we... When, you, when, you first, when I first started, there was nobody... Uh, I think there was three of us uh, initially that used to go to each comp. It would always be the same people fighting the same people. But I think it was what people spectating saw. Mm. So, you know, each competition, you would see certain girls on the sidelines, you know, as you say, you have your tomboys and they think, oh, yeah, I might give that a go. Mm. But reaching people who are not tomboys was difficult. But keeping them was the hardest thing. Yeah. Lots of people that would potentially come and have a go, but didn't take it on board. Mm. But I think it became more, more and more popular. Obviously, Helen Curry was a big, big blast for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, my competitions, I remember they were in a competition with um, Kaz um, and LJ Adams uh, from Shoe Fighters. Mm. And we all finished fighting. And we came off the sidelines and Helen Curry pulled us over to one cor- to a corner and she was showing us these techniques in the corner. It was amazing. Oh, well, you know, when you did this, if you did, did that, I was in awe. I, 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 everything she was telling me was just over my head. I was like, oh my God, God it's Helen Curry. Oh, it's Helen Curry. And I'm stood there and I was so godsmacked, you know. But she was amazing. Mm. You know, she was a small lady, but she was amazing. And I think, like you say, different people coming along, I mean... The girls now, like Vanessa, they go to the world and they really show what it is. Mm. And I think it's purely by people pushing past their boundaries, you know. More and more girls are pushing the boundaries. Mm. Some come into it and look at it from the self-defence aspect and don't quite expect what they get. But what they get and they think, well, you know what, I see girls come in and they're never ever, oh, I don't want to compete, don't want to compete. But you know what, a few months down the line... <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> a few months down the line, their 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 mindset changes, you know, mm. and they think, "Oh, I wouldn't mind doing that." And I think it is purely that. I think it's more and more girls coming and pushing their boundaries and wanting to be out there, wanting to be. Why do we have to have just men? You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be men. And I think we are now definitely getting more and more people. I think, and right, let's really put it on the map. You know, let's step across the boundary mark and let's just really show what we can do because it's always been the mm. men, like you say, but not so much. We've got loads of female women now. 
loads that are really certain good examples. But they're not, they're not like, they don't have to be seven days a week jiu-jitsu people, which is what people think. You know, they think these, these girls that got the world and Europeans, don't get me wrong, yeah, they do, but they have jobs too. Exactly. We have Gret, who is uh, from Long Eaton, Gracie Baha Long Eaton, and she's a school teacher. Yeah? Mm. And she trains hard, don't get me wrong, she trains hard, she's a school teacher, but she goes to the world. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be seven days a week in the gym and, you know, you're a super athlete. It's not just for an athlete now, you know, there are yeah. different variations of jiu-jitsu that are made for everybody. Mm. You know, when, like you say, you can compete at white belt, you can compete at black belt. You don't have to be a supreme fighter. And I think that's what people are seeing now. Yeah. And like... One of the most, one of the questions I get asked most often from people who are starting is, when do you think it's okay to compete? And my answer is always straight away. Like, if you, the earlier you compete, the earlier you start to see your progression in jujitsu. Um, I have friends, I have other people who have said, oh, I'm going to wait until a blue belt before I compete because then I'll be comfortable. I'm like, but then you're giving up the experience of fighting people who are less experienced than you. Because like, as, as soon as you step over the threshold to blue belt and you start competing, you're not competing against blue belts in inverted commas. You're competing against people who have maybe three or four more years of experience on top of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at white belt, everyone tends to be around the same level. Like It doesn't matter if you're six months in or 18 months. Like There's going to be a skill gap. But there's always going to be a level of um, uh, like erratic displacement um, where like I don't like calling it spazzing out because <laughs> but that's what it is like there's always going to be something that goes on and like there is a certain level of um, like there's a f- is it freneticism that's the word that I want but I don't think it's an actual <laughs> word like it's like some of the fights are very frantic mm-hmm. and um, like I think people need that experience in competition because if you go into it at a blue belt that's when people are already experienced and you're you have to play catch up then yeah and I think for for me I would say um, yeah I mean I'm not saying the weight to blue I think if they have the fundamental understanding of jiu-jitsu then yes mm-hmm. because then that makes sure that they're safe yes you know I've seen it happen where They've started, they've been going a month and they go to competition, mm-hmm. you know. They don't have the foundations in place to be able to defend an armbar, for instance, you know. The, the experience comes, I think, once you've learned your fundamentals in jiu-jitsu, then yes, I would yeah. certainly say you go to comp. I when things wait start blue. clicking, like mm-hmm. that was... That was one of my favourite moments in jiu-jitsu because there like, there's always like a six-month period where I'm like... I don't understand what I'm doing. Like, my body moves <laughs> and people move it for me. But then, like, after about six to eight months, like, um, I got to the point where, like, I got to a position and I was like, oh, I can do this. And then you start to build those, um, those lines in your head where you can start going to different places and doing different things. And, like, the more you, the more you do it, like the quicker those things come to you. And like, that's just the same with building any skill. You have to put the time in to build the, um, well, you have, well, you have to do the reps essentially. And um, 
yeah, like you say, once you get to that point where you can recognize things, that's when I think you should start competing. You can like, build on what you know. Yeah. You wouldn't build the house without putting a foundation in place. No. <laughs> so jujitsu is essentially that, isn't it? You know, it's... In, and also, if you do compete without learning your fundamentals, you know, it could give you a very bad experience and you might never, ever go back. Yes. Where in reality, if you'd waited till you had your fundamentals, your understanding of it, you get such a different experience because, you know, you'd know that, oh, actually, I don't put my hand there or, oh, she got it really tight and, you know, I know to let go or, mm. you know, it can be very dangerous and I couple of times I have my arm pop to comps but yeah. you know it, it comes with experience it's about recognizing when to fight and when to flee essentially mm. like oh I'm not getting out of this arm bar tap yeah like the number of people I see at white belt who get stuck in something and then they they have too much pride and they're like no I'm not tapping. Stubbing. <laughs> and then that's when you just start cranking it on a little bit more but it's like um like everyone's been there, but like it's something that you have to get over. Like there's pride, and then there's pride. <laughs> like you can be too proud to do anything, and it's like you need to get over yourself. Like 100%. leave it at the door. Yeah, you know, you walk into there, you're in, you step across the mat, you're there to win. You know, nobody's mm. going going there to lose. No, but you don't lose. You obviously learn not to do the thing you did before. Yeah. But, you know, for females, for, from a female's perspective, it's, um, I think it's slightly different. I believe that we are slightly different in the, that we are more technical. I believe we have to be more technical. When we spar with the men, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they're hard and they're heavy and we can't rely on strength. No. So the technical side of things comes out that bit more, I believe. Um, I had this conversation before um, and they say to me well you know we love rolling with the girls because like the guys will come in and say oh it's great rolling with the girls because they're so technical mm. because we have to be yeah but you take the technique out of it and step onto a mat without the fundamental beginning of your jiu-jitsu and it's just pure danger yeah you know and none of us go there to get hurt none of us want to injure somebody when we're sparring you know if we compete and if we hurt somebody it would be devastated yeah you know it's almost like really honestly I've, I've seen it I've seen people get hurt and then they they sat on the sidelines and you think wow he can't go to work tomorrow or yeah she can't go to do her job or and that's not what we jujitsu is about you know it's about I believe for everybody is um, obviously fitness. A lot of people do it for fitness. Mm -hmm. You know, I I did. I I wanted to lose weight. You know, it was like yeah, I will go, and it's so great for that. Mm. Oof, yeah, is it not? <laughs> but equally, like you say, at the end of the day, we all have to work and we all have to go to our jobs in the day. Yes, which you know you have to keep people safe. So and that was it. Was one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing this podcast. Um, mainly so that I could show people that um, jiu-jitsu doesn't have to be your life and like certain things happen and like you just have to get over them like the podcast that I've had are one was about fibromyalgia and how one of my very very good friends like she's in pain constantly but she still goes to jiu-jitsu because it's 
uh, like she uses it as a release. Like it helps her to vent her frustration. It keeps her fit, and um, like it's a it's a family thing. Uh-huh. But then, like uh, I've also had someone suffering from uh, depression and anxiety, and like again, she uses it the same way I do. Like it helps you move through things and. And I spoke to Helen, which was just one of the, the greatest experiences of my life. Like, she's so brilliant. She's amazing. I got to roll with her after that. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> yeah. That was an experience. <laughs> she, she is great, honestly. She's amazing. Honestly, we had a few roles with Helen. Um, Anyone and who thinks that like, I can wow. win any jujitsu fight just because I'm big and tall, <laughs> haven't, they haven't seen, seen Helen. Me fight Helen Curry, when she made me look like a child. Oh, yeah, but to be fair, she'd make me look like a child because she's amazing. <laughs> but um, oh. yeah, like you say, I don't know if there are any like super high level. Uh, female competitors that just do jiu-jitsu in the UK like mm. I know that there are some super athletes like across the planet yeah. but like everyone that I know has a day job they have other commitments that they need to go mm-hmm. to and stuff and like um like one of my favorite competitors at the moment is uh Fionn Davies she is remarkable human being <laughs> yeah and like I, I've rolled with her once and she is so strong and she is so technical that it, like, she makes you question whether or not you're human. Because, <laughs> um, like, I just remember, like, going to grab something and then she's not there anymore. And then I was like, what? But, like, she, she has, like, a, a day job and then she goes and competes at everything. And, like, um, she did a podcast with uh, Dan Strauss not too long ago and she was talking about how, um, well, he was saying that she is one of literally the UK's most accomplished grapplers. Oh. Like it doesn't matter male or female. She's one of the most accomplished grapplers because she's a, a bloody beast and she deserves <laughs> it and she's worked hard for it. But it doesn't mean she doesn't have to like do regular daytime things like everybody else. Mm. It's, it's weird, but... Um, yeah, I think the message that it doesn't have to run your life, it should help you live your life better. Like, that's what I think it does. And also, women in general tend to have, um, well, this is what I believe, they tend to have more um, of an inclination to the um, to academia. So... They tend to do better in exams. They tend to do better in school and things like that in general. So for me, it feels like jujitsu is perfect for that because it is such a cerebral sport. So I don't understand fully how it's taken so long to get that message to the female population. Um, I know from the outside looking in, it just looks really, really physical. But as soon as you start to get into it, it's more of a game than it is about physicality. And like you said, women are super technical, but I think that's because they also have um, minds that are used to piecing things together um, a lot more than having to use brute force on things. Yeah. And um, I think getting people to see that and 
to witness it themselves helps to build the sport and that that's what I think has been happening gradually where more and more people are just giving it a try and then like um we had a women's class yesterday and there were three or four new people and um when it got to the end of the class uh like the instructor Haley was like we're going to do some sparring now. You don't have to if you don't want to, but um, like we're just going to start from the knees and just do what you know and all of that. And then like two of them were laughing and giggling about what it was. Mm-hmm. And then one of them was just like, I'm fucking ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like she got to roll with Haley, and like it was her first class, but she just got it. Uh-huh. she understood what it was about and um like she wasn't trying to power through things she was like you could see her thinking through things and like Haley was just like changing positions and getting her into odd places and stuff and it was it was so nice to watch and then like she's gonna be there for the rest of the, the duration time now. <laughs> um but like I think it's nice when you just get to see someone get it like because I didn't I wasn't like that like I went to my first class and I was like I really like this but I didn't understand why yeah. and then <laughs> then the more I uh, went to the class I was like yeah I get it I get it now this is yeah. brilliant <laughs> yeah I say that that's the hard part isn't it it's getting people and I think the word is out now I really do and I think the word is out more that you know, it's not just for the men and you don't have to be super fit. You know, you come here and you will get fit. You don't have to be super fit. You don't have to be this energizer bunny, if you like, <laughs> you know. Um, I have, like say, we've got quite a few ladies. Um, we, I teach, we were teaching them at Arnold, which is our second uh, academy here over the road. And it's like, we had girls come who used to be rugby players. Uh, we've had ladies come, you know, that you wouldn't generally expect to walk through the gym mm. um, for that sort of self-defence aspect. But we did a seminar and we had, I think it was around 35 ladies came for this self-defence seminar. But everything we taught self-defence was, in essence, the jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So everything we taught standing up could be put in practice on the floor so to speak other than the takedowns obviously but we we taught um like rape self-defense you know what would happen if they came in close proximity things like that yeah but then at the end we had this little um how did we play it um we had a sparring yeah. conversation <laughs> where they were on their knees and they literally had to get in them in the worst position. So the worst position they chose, well, one lady said, well, I don't like, you know, being anybody sitting on me and holding me down. So that was her worst position. And she had to fight to get this mm. lady out of that position. And it worked really well. Yeah. But then afterwards, you know, it, it, they came and we asked questions and it was like, well, that was so informative. It's not what we thought. Mm. And I said, well, what made you come through the door? What made you physically decide that I'm going to try that? Mm. And I say, because they see other women now. There's lots of women, she said. This one lady said to me, there's, there's lots of girls. And I've seen it and I've looked at it. And there's more and more girls now. And I feel it's, you know, it's safer because we've got more girls now. And we can yeah. join in. Where previously it's always been with the men. And... You know, it takes a special kind of 
girl to be able to just jump in through the door on the mat and roll with the guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, it's a very close sport that we do. So it's a very personal space and you have to have that trust. But I think to answer your question off earlier, the reason we have more women now is because more and more women have tried it and are getting out the word. They're not just coming in and going home. You know, they're telling their friends. Yeah. They're saying what a feeling you get when you do this. And then her, their friends are telling their friends. And, you know, it, social media. Yeah. You cannot beat that, you no. know. And sometimes it's difficult to hide as well. Like when I started jiu-jitsu, um, I went to work. I think it was like three weeks in. And um, I went to work one day. And they were like, what's that? And they're like, I rolled up my sleeve and I had a massive bruise all up here on my bicep. And it was yeah. just like, it took up the whole of my bicep. I was like, that's a kiss, that is. That's a jujitsu <laughs> kiss. kiss. <laughs> <laughs> like, a what? And I was like, it's fine. Don't worry. Like, I'm not being beaten by my partner. <laughs> Do you know, that, that is really strange because, as you say, you, you get covered. Whenever I started a new job and I had to tell them what I did because... And many times, well, as you can see, I get loads of <laughs> yeah, bruises, you know? Yeah. I bruise really, really easy. And I break really easy. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like my boss will say, I went in, had this big sales meeting, and I walk in with this huge shiner. Yeah. You know, the night before, I'd been sparring, and this guy went to step over me, kneed me in the side of my eye, and I just went, whoosh. <laughs> you know, as you do before a big meeting. And I walked in the room and everybody looked at me and my boss just laughed and he went, hard spa? I was like, yeah. It was tough. <laughs> it was very tough. <laughs> and they, they, my clients would just look at me and go, what? And I was like, yeah, I do jiu-jitsu. Yeah, don't worry. Okay, how do you explain that to people that don't do it? Yeah. It's difficult. <laughs> I'm a strong, independent woman. woman. <laughs> and I do what I want. <laughs> and if you don't like what I, I like, I'll put you to sleep. <laughs> Um, but like I try to recruit my friends because (laughs) um, obviously I want them to experience the same joy that I experience from the sport Um, I have an identical twin and I've been trying to get him to classes with me for literally three years (laughs) and he refuses I'm like please I want to be able to choke you legitimately (laughs) I, I want it's the one thing in my life that I want to do, but he's recently started doing Thai boxing uh-huh. um, at the gym. I'm like, fine, that will do. They've got a clinch in that. I'm like, sure, I can do something from there. <laughs> um, but like, I, I try to tell as many people as I can about jiu-jitsu and how much, um, like, especially within the trans community, because it's a marginalised community and it's also... Um, it, like there's a lot of violence that happens within that community and it's one of the the best things that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. uh personally because I feel like I I don't need to be scared all the time um like I spoke about it on when I was on Dan's podcast like I started jiu-jitsu because uh I was assaulted and uh it left me in a really bad place but um that's not an uncommon story in the trans community and I feel that more people who are introduced to the sport like the the better like they'll be able to overcome that uh, anxiety um, that a lot of people feel on a day-to-day basis but getting people into the gym is so difficult (laughs) 
Um, yeah. And like I've like at the moment I run the the fight like a girl competition, and there's something that I'm thinking of starting next year that I think could be very fun for the female community. Mm-hmm. But um, I need to get. Uh, a few people on board before I do it but one thing I'd also like to do is um, like just like you said like the self-defense seminars I think um, one of the the better ways that people are introducing women to the sport is reframing it as self-defense yeah. and uh, just um, kind of promoting the jiu-jitsu through the self-defense like uh, you had Marusha here a few weeks ago we did yes and He's a, a big advocate for um, maintaining self-defense within jiu-jitsu. Because I know a lot of people, um, they tend to leave that out of their syllabus. And But jiu-jitsu come from a very uh, self-defense-oriented background, especially in the UK. And like when you speak to the like the older generations in jiu-jitsu, like, uh, like they always go with the, the self-defense things first. And I always find that stuff really fun when, like, especially with Mauricio, because he's so good at it, and he'll just mess you up. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Every time I go to put a hand on his collar, he's like, "That's a wrist lock." Like, yeah. Oh, thanks. We did that at seminar recently. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the beauty. I think doing what we do, I am a big fan of the self defense. Mm. You know. These days, you, you've got to be able to protect yourself, you mm-hmm. know? And part of our um, program is self-defense. Every class starts with a self-defense. Yeah. You know, then you do your techniques, then you do your um, technical sparring, and then you do your free sparring. But each, we always have self-defense. And for me, you know, that I, I can never explain this without, like, just it's pure excitement. Mm. To, to the self-defense aspect of it and to sort of, it empowers you, I believe. You yeah. Know? And when we do the women's seminars and we get people come in and they're so timid and so shy or they've had some experience, you know, that's made them go a bit within themselves. Yeah. To see them go out with a big smile on their face and their confidence lifted, mm. you know, why would you not like the self-defense? Exactly. You know? yeah. And that essentially, that's all it is. When you're on the floor, even when you're rolling around, you're still preserving yourself. Yes. You know, you're still in self-preservation mode. You've got somebody that's trying to get on top of you, take your arm. You're going to go in self-defense mode. Knees up, arms up, bridge out, get them in a closed guard, take their back. It's all defending your body. Yes. But, you know, it's like you say, when it initially started, I think it was looked at in the sport mode. Mm. So this is it. It's a sport. When in reality, it's not. Mm. You know, the way it was taught years ago started off self-defense and it was made for the smaller person and to empower the smaller person yes so i think that's where we are today definitely we have the uh teachings from master carlos and grandmaster helio you know it's like this is what we teach Mm. and i believe for me personally i believe that you know that's the way forward it'll empower a lot of women and looking at it that sense if you turn around and say to somebody outside come and do some throws and takedowns and do the sports side of it yeah it will be well you know is that really for me Mm. but it depends how you put it across to people i believe yeah definitely yeah and advertisement on social media at the moment's amazing i've been listening to your podcast you know i mean i've listened to the helen curry podcast that was (laughs) 
phenomenal, you know. <laughs> and she, she's great and she is amazing. you got, like, Vanessa and Gwet from Chris mm. Baja, um, Burton, Long Eaton and Nottingham. And they are small girls, but yeah. their technical ability, <laughs> their knowledge, you know, and they go out there, they go to the worlds and they put themselves out there for people to see. And people yeah. see them and they think, yeah, wow, you know, I could do some of that. Yeah, you know, and that's a, that. That's it. They they learn the, the same techniques, same self-defense, the same technical knowledge that we do, but they choose to go out and put it into the world. And you know, yeah, having people like that's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> a fly. <laughs> I I feel very fortunate in that at the moment the the sport is it's growing uh like the female aspect of the sport is growing like quite rapidly so when i get back to training and to competition like there'll be more people for me to fight <laughs> um, <laughs> and like when i when i do eventually progress through belts like there won't be the the issues that uh the female competition side of thing has had in the past where it's like you get one or two fights and that's it mm-hmm. and like um like that's another issue that I have in general because like when when women compete uh I think there is kind of a stigma around uh the female competition where you're like oh I won gold at this competition but then someone might say oh yeah but the women's competition yeah. like you only had one or two fights like that doesn't matter <laughs> like, you still got to win to progress exactly you know. and like oh this person had 11 fights in their day and like I, I still did the same thing. Like maybe I, I didn't have as many matches, but like I was, I was there. Uh, I won what I was given. Mm-hmm. Like we could have gone like round and round, like all three of us. Like if there's three people in your bracket and then you're fighting both those people and you beat both those people, then you've won. Like you're not going to fight them both like four times because no, it makes no point. <laughs> no. Um, but like. I don't know, like, there is kind of, I do feel there is a little bit of a, oh, well, it's not real competition if it's female competition. I I feel that there's an element of that, but the more women that get into the sport, I think the more that will just fade away, especially when you see some of the female competitors that we have now that are literal animals. Oh, they're beasts, yeah. (laughs) But if you think, if people stopped and... Uh, we've, we've, I heard that years ago when I first mm. started, you know. In fact, I remember watching, uh, fighting, uh, LJ Adams at the No Gee Comp. And I think there's a photograph somewhere of the referee at the sideline just laughing, just like watching us smiling, laughing at what we're doing. But, you know, I think that is gone. And I really do believe that. I think mm. we've moved on from that now. They actually are taking, you know, th- these girls are good. Yes. You know, but without people going out there and having just one fight mm. or having fighting each other for so many months, you know, that wouldn't have happened. If they'd have just stopped and thought, oh, you know, is it not many people yeah. we're going to give in? There's no point. You know, there's no point. And, you know, it's like people like Helen Curry that have gone out and really put themselves out there, you know, and Vanessa, I mean, she's just phenomenal. She did absolutely amazing at the last world we had uh, laura from gracie baja birmingham she got silver in our last fight i was, got to spar with her last year and she's great. that was 
that was an experience for me. Yeah. <laughs> but you? see, people, you can ex- inspire people, can't you? It's like yeah. I look at them girls and I think, wow. Yeah. You know, you know, this this is what you can be. Okay, so I'm not going to be the next world champion. You know, mm. I'm not going to. I'm not a super fighter, for instance. But you know, who's to say? I might go to the worlds one day. I might go to the masters, but. Mm-hmm. You'd be fighting people of your level, but without yeah. those going out there and putting themselves out there and showing the guys, you yeah. know, we're here and we're ready to be counted. And I think that's what's happening now. And I think that's why we're growing and we're yeah. growing and we're growing. We've gone from having three people in a bracket to 10 and 12 or depending on your level, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you but know, social, we are growing so much. Mm, and social media is helping to progress that a lot. Like, um, what was it? Was it the pans? There was a, a Facebook group started last year about the, um, uh, what was the one in Vegas? Was it Vegas? I can't remember. Got the Masters in Vegas. Yeah, the, it was the Masters and they were trying to get women to um, enter. Yes. And they wanted more categories for women. So they went for, so it wasn't just Masters 1. Yeah, they, they only had a masters. little bit, didn't they? Yeah. But they've got it up now to five, is it? Five? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like they were able to coordinate and they, they built other masters brackets because more people stood up and were counted mm-hmm. for it. And as I said before, like we're in a very good place now where the people coming through love the sport and they will just progress. Mm-hmm. And then the more that happens, the more the numbers in those brackets will start to rise and rise and rise. Yeah. So that's, it's a great time to be in the sport. It's um, exciting times to be in the sport. Like yeah. I can only imagine what it feels like as someone like yourself who's been in the sport for donkeys. Yeah, yeah. donkeys years. <laughs> for donkeys. <laughs> and um, like you get to see all of this talent coming through and uh, building uh, in something that, like, they see the same thing that you did all those years ago. Makes you proud. Taken, yeah, it does make you proud to see yeah. it. It just took some time to trickle through but here we are <laughs> we are we're here and we're we're made, we're standing up and we're being counted now exactly it's, <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant place to be in it is it is and i mean like you say i go to competitions now and i am so excited when i look around the gyms and i see all these girls you know they 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 the kids classes i teach kids classes on a saturday as well and I mean, today, for instance, there were two boys and the rest were girls. Two boys. That's amazing. The rest was girls. And they were phenomenal, you know? But it just shows, you know, we are taking over. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day, one day, we will be there. <laughs> I don't think that day is that far away. I, I think in the next 10 years, I think we'll start to see the balance kind of um, even out. And you will get that high level of female jiu-jitsu. Like, cause even at the moment, like, what is it? Like, there's still under 20 female black belts 17. in the UK. 17. And like, what, four, five hundred <laughs> male Men. black belts? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's going to even out over yeah. the next 10 years. And it's going to be amazing to watch it grow from the inside out. Like, I, I'm, that's one of the things I'm most excited about in the sport. And like one of the reasons I started my competition in the first place is because I want to promote female jiu-jitsu. And um, 
like I got I got some flack from some people about oh you can't have women's only competition we're gonna have men only competition like you had 15 20 years of that <laughs> yeah like um and like I just remember like I started the competition because I remember when I started competing like the atmosphere in the gyms and stuff where you're fighting it's very intimidating like there's it feels like there's a cloud over everything and everyone's like super focused and super maintained it's like that's a very intimidating um environment to go into if it's your first competition and um so my goal with the fight like a girl competition was always i need to bring the intensity down and make people feel comfortable and the competition itself should be secondary to people interacting and uh, just having a good time. Like we were, we were talking before the podcast and it's like, um, I come to jujitsu to enjoy myself and have a good time. Like it's not all about the, the techniques and stuff. It's about the people. It's about um, having, having a laugh and stuff. And I want to bring that to the competitions. So like, there are bouncy castles and photo booths. And <laughs> oh man, I'm coming. <laughs> you had me a bouncy castle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, last year, the bouncy castle was there, but it was hardly used because people were confused by it. <laughs> like, Do is I that for us? <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, like there's a bouncy castle, photo booths, and I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be an intimidating thing and also childcare. Uh-huh. Because that's a big thing for uh, women in the sport as well. Like, especially if they're single parents, like getting childcare is a nightmare for at the best of times. But to go and fight, it's very difficult to justify that to. Sometimes it can be difficult to justify that to yourself. Yeah. So if you can bring them along and just like pedal them off on someone else, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Even if only play the flaming. <laughs> yeah, there's a ball pit there. You'll love it. There's some other kids. Just pelt them with balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. When we started, obviously, we had my daughter, Tegan. Um, she was four years old. She's uh, 15 now. <laughs> um, she used to come along and she'd sit on the sidelines and, you know, the guys would come in with their bags and she'd sit on the bags and just watch. So many a time she'd be asleep by the time we finished. Yeah. But, you know, like I say, childcare was an issue. So we never, you know, we didn't have anyone to sort of leave her with sort of mm. thing. So she always came with us. So she's grown up around the gym yeah. yeah she's quite used to the guys and, and now she's else. here and killing people and now she's here <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair she she really really enjoys um fighting against the guys but equally it's good when the girls come as well because they get that different uh mentality don't you it's, yeah if you, you you fight the guy i like i love fighting the guys I love it. I think it's great, you know, but you can really, like we say, no, you can really have a go with the girls and you know how yeah. and which way you're going to move. And I think for Tegan, she's always fought like boys. She's never really been able to compete um, on her grade because she's either been the only one in that category yeah. or, you know, now she's blue belt, juvenile blue belt, so she can compete this year. So she's super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, yeah, she, she's getting really excited to compete. Um, she spoke with Professor Victor and, you know, asked, you know, do you think I'm ready and is everything okay to step up, step up? And he was like, yeah, 100%. Just slapped her in the face. Of course it is. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I think, um, like you said, yeah, yeah, get up there. <laughs> 
but having, um, I guess, say having childcare issues, yeah. Um, like here, some of the parents that bring in their children for their classes mm. have sat here for years, yeah. and they haven't stepped over that barrier, mm. you know. And next week we've got the people that sit here stepping over that barrier, and the kids are going to be sat here watching. <laughs> You know, we, they don't have childcare. They don't have childcare that they can get at the short notice, so they sit here. Yeah. And it's a great, safe environment for them to talk to each other. Yeah. Bouncy Castle sounds amazing. I'm definitely coming. Yeah, there's, there's a kid's Bouncy Castle and there's an adult's <coughs> one. So, yeah. <laughs> it's also nice to just blow off steam at the end of it. Like, um, win or lose, competition is draining. Mm. And it's like, I wanted the... Cl- I wanted the competition itself to just feel different mm-hmm. and for people to walk away from it happy. And like, it's very difficult to walk away from a competition happy if you've lost your fights and like you felt like you didn't do your best. But <clears throat> if you just spent half an hour in a bouncy castle, how can you not be happy? Out of breath, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, I, I, depends on, I suppose it depends on your goals, doesn't it? Um, mm. I mean, like I say, Nottingham Open last year, I fought uh, Christina. And, yes. you know, that was amazing. It was my first competition in a long time when I'd actually been able to physically step on the mat. Um, and I lost to Christina by triangle. But, you know, the end result... Of course it mattered. I, would, I wanted to win. I didn't step on the mat to lose. I wanted yeah. to win. But the end result for me was still a win because I'd managed to do something that they were told you would never do again. Yeah. You know, you would never compete again. You weren't to do jiu-jitsu. You have to stay at home and, you know, yeah. I don't know, ride your bike, something silly <laughs> like that, you know, all of which I ignored. But for me, that, that, that feeling of stepping across the mat... Mm. was absolutely amazing but it wasn't just for me because as we were saying earlier we inspire other people yeah so all the girls I've worked with at the here at the academy and at the other academy and obviously other places I train and giving seminar it's all about what they saw because they yeah. saw me on the mat they'd never seen me compete they'd never seen me step across the mat you see mm. and when we finished the fight um, we stood up, um, bowed to each other, I turned around, and they were all there screaming and shouting, yeah, you know, well done, don't matter, it doesn't matter. And all the younger ones were coming across, oh, I, I want to do this, you know. And yeah. that, that's what I wanted. I wanted to... <laughs> Inspire. Yeah, just, just to let people see it can be fun, you know. Yeah. It, it can. If it wasn't fun, I don't think as many people would be doing it. No, men or women. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring the conversation back a bit, uh, like you had the the car crash, you injured your back and everything. Um, you you didn't compete for four years. No. So after your like you got injured at blue belt, is that right? Yeah. Was it early in your blue belt career? Yeah. Really. Like, I know that you had. Like, by that time, you were already hooked on jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, slightly. <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were trying to mainline it. Yeah. Um, but, like, obviously being told by your doctor, this is now going to be detrimental to your health moving forward. Hmm. Um, like, one, 
how did the uh, injuries affect your performance and how did how did you approach recovery in general first and foremost and two how did you approach getting back onto the mats with the spinal injury so the actual recovery was hard I couldn't do a lot as I said I came onto the mat I couldn't roll I couldn't do specific sparring. You know, for me, it became all about the self-defense. Yeah. Um, I could do certain techniques. I couldn't do others. So I had to find out for myself, you know, I'd step to do a position. Oh, that hurts. Step away from it. Mm. Yeah. But I suppose if I didn't have the support that I did have, Maybe, you know, it might have been a different story. Yeah. But it was almost like the feeling I got when I'm doing my self-defense, doing my training, was better than the feeling of thinking, I can never do this again. I cried when they told me no more. I was heartbroken. And then my husband said to me, well, you know, they don't know everything. Yeah. Let's Let's work on it. And that's what I did. I worked around it. For hours on end, I will be on the mats and just drilling certain stuff I could only drill. I could, at one one part, I could just do some stand-up stuff, the Pell stuff like we did with Mauricio. Yeah. Just this. But it was engaging my mind and engaging my, my body, and my body felt great. Although mm. it was hurting, <laughs> it felt great. So just that really was moving from one little bit to adding a bit more, to a bit more, to a bit more. And then eventually, my very first role I had with my husband, um, he said, let's try, let's see what happens. And we had a good role. Mm. You know, it was scary, very, very scary. I was very, very shaky, very nervous. I was worried yeah. that, you know, if I put myself in a position I couldn't get out of or... But it didn't. That's what the tap's and for. It, yeah. <laughs> but it was more what if I got to roll over my shoulder and he lands on top of me and he yeah. crushes into my back or but you know I worked around it we worked around mm. it we moved around the floor he didn't jump on my back he never took my back it was always we'd work from the ground I'd be on top he'd work his bottom game mm. and before long you know that was a lot of people said that I was really lucky in a sense, because I really got to look at the intricacies of what we were doing. You yeah. know, I worked my top game for so many months, you know, it was, it was great. And yeah. I needed to get back on the bottom, you know. <laughs> but, um, and then my very first role with someone other than my husband, that was scary. I physically felt sick. Mm. I was so afraid that I would lose what I'd already got. So, I'd got my self-defense side of it. I'd got mm. a bit of moving around on the floor. If I went and rolled with somebody who didn't um, appreciate what had happened or didn't look after me, then, you know, I'd be right back to square one. Yeah. So to push past that was really difficult. It was almost, I was rolling almost in tears, but kept going, kept going. And then at the end of it, I felt okay. And I've done that since, but there has been occasions where I've rolled and I've had to stop and I've had a few months off recently because my mm. back went uh, in, a, in a very nice position. Um, he, 
it seized again, it went, it sort of stuck out, the disc had moved or whatever it did. Oh. And I was struggling. So again, I was sitting back on the sidelines. Mm. But then took my time, self-defense, techniques, no sparring, no rolling, getting back to where I am now. And I'm back rolling, Yay. which is great. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 you've just got to look after it. Only you know what your body can take. Yes. Sometimes we will push past what we think our body can take, but it'll soon jump up and shout and say, hang on, you know. Yeah. You know where you are. Let's just drop back down to there. And it tells me every now and again. Yeah. Know. Like, um, I suffered a back injury last year and I, like, I've had lots of issues with my back in the past. Like I threw mm-hmm. it out when I was 14 lifting boxes um, because I was an idiot. And then I went like right back to work the next day and just exacerbated it even more. So um, my back's never really been great. It's never really recovered properly. And then um, like every now and then when I'm rolling, something will happen and you get the twinge and you're just like, that's me for the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boom, tap, (laughs) sidelines. And um, it takes me a little while to get back. But like last year was the worst it's ever been where like I couldn't bend my leg or I couldn't straighten my leg even. And like, um, I had numerous appointments with like, uh, uh, physical therapists, acupuncturists, and like everything I could, like just to like release the tension a little bit. Get some movement back. Yeah. And like, ridiculously, the one thing that fixed it was walking around Comic-Con because I had like a a, a rucksack on and it was filled with hardback um, graphic novels. I think I had about 20 kilos on my back and it like forced my posture up for a whole day. (laughs) And the next day I woke up and I was like, hey, I can... Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, so just chuck a rucksack on your back, 20 kilos. Yeah, and it was fine. But um, I just remember like in that time... um, I wasn't rolling and like I, I wasn't even going to class. I, I, I felt so bad <laughs> like about like just being injured and um like you definitely had the the best mindset going into it. You're like, I can't do this, but what can I do? Mm-hmm. And like that's it seems to be like a really great way to approach it. And like it's kind of how I've been approaching it now that I'm not able to um, train at all. Like I just have to keep my toe in in whatever way I'm able. Mm. And it's like, oh, I'll watch like people sparring from the sidelines. I'll watch the um, the demonstrations from the instructors and how other people interact and how they do things. So that's pretty cool. But um, like especially with the back, like it's. Like all it ever takes is one misstep, and then boom, <laughs> everything's gone that you worked yeah. for. Like I remember um, after my back was fixed, and I was having like a, a really good time of it. <laughs> I tripped over like the the door thing, um, walking into my flat, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and like it took a couple of days for it to just. Like, cause you know, when, when you get like the twinge, your body goes, it's happening again. I'm never it's releasing ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it takes like a couple of days for it to go, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. And like one time I slipped in the shower. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Sometimes you could be just leaning into your boot of your car. Yeah. And it'll 
Yeah, it's a good like, way. There it goes. But, like you say, if you look at it and think, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, what's the point? Now that negative thinking, you mm. know, if it gets in here, that's it. Yeah, it becomes but, a spiral. Yeah, you're far better to say, well, okay, might not be able to triangle him, but I've got arms. Yeah. <laughs> I can sit on my, I can kneel on the floor, you know, I can work my top game or... Mm. equally if you can't even step on the mat you're here yeah you're showing up you're 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 watching and as much as you get frustrated watching it's a good good Mm. learning curve to sit and just sometimes take a step back from what you're doing and look from the outside in so to speak yeah while they're all on the mat you can see a lot more Mm. a lot more Cause like when I was preparing my surgery and stuff, I was very aware of the fact that I wasn't going to be able to roll. And I was like, what can I do in my time off? I have like a year where I can't like competitively spar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there are two things I can do. I can work on strength and conditioning and I can work on my flexibility because I'm very rigid as a person. Like <laughs> I have no flexibility in my <laughs> arms, in my legs, in my back. So I was like, uh, two things I can do is I can go to the, actually use my gym membership. Uh, rather than just paying it and not going and um, uh, start yoga so they're the two things that I've wanted to I haven't started yoga yet because I've uh, been fighting an infection been stuck in bed like since I started but I have started doing um, strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. with uh, Hayley my instructor Mm -hmm. and that's been going really well it's also why I can't straighten my arm today because (laughs) she's like yeah we're gonna work on uh, what is it like your back and try like yeah brilliant brilliant now I can't lift my arm (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to move house but um yeah so I'm just trying to do what I can uh when I can and like I need to go back and see my surgeon sooner and just double check what I think because I was told I couldn't roll properly for 12 months because the internal uh things take a lot longer to heal than the external mm-hmm. so it's like yeah you can cycle but you can't have someone leaning across your belly it's like mm-hmm. oh that's like two-thirds of the whole jiu-jitsu thing yeah but equally if you think you can't have somebody leaning across your belly but if somebody's working the back you could work your top game yes exactly so. and like there are things that i can do mm-hmm. so i i I can help other people. I can uh, do certain things. Like I can work from the top, just like you did. Like just work solely on the top game. That's that's fine. But um, yeah, that's definitely stuff that I'm going to have to look at going forward now. Um, and yeah, like I'm just hoping that the yoga helps to strengthen my back as well, yeah. because that's one of the issues that hurts my feelings the most Mm. (laughs) um what was I going to ask so we're talking about your kickboxing (laughs) about an hour ago yeah about an hour ago and uh like the musical intros and stuff yeah um you were training jujitsu alongside kickboxing for a long time and uh you stopped the kickboxing because of your um Injury. Your injury. Neck, yeah. Um, what made you get into jujitsu in the first place? Like you were already doing kickboxing. Like was it? We had um, a guy come to our gym who, as I say, Steve Marsden. He delivered mm. a uh, seminar. Uh, he, the, the instructor Andy at the time said, "We've got this guy coming in um, in a gi 
just looked like a pair of pajamas to be fair, to be fair. Um, would you like to give it a go we'd already done no ghee for like 18 months mm. and it, we thought yeah we can do this be relatively easy yeah it's a bit different in the ghee um, you know um, he came and the thing I got from it was I like the uh, the control you could have with the ghee yeah. the no ghee stuff is quite assertive quite fast paced yeah in a ghee you could be a lot smoother a lot slower and I love found that I was very good at choking people (laughs) (laughs) every opportunity I would have my hands in and choking and Steve Marsden said he says you good you know you like the ghee and I thought oh I do (laughs) I do actually so we started and from then on in I just choked for, for years I mean Honestly, for years, <laughs> so all I did was choke. I think one of one of my uh, old uh, training partners used to call me Choke Queen. Uh, that used to be my nickname, Choke Queen. Um, I don't I'd... think the nickname is utilised as much in jiu-jitsu as it should be. Because <laughs> we have someone in our gym uh, whose nickname is the Arm Bastard, because all he does <laughs> he does his arm bars, and it's brilliant. <laughs> I think. It needs T-shirts, it needs rash guards, it needs promoting because it's one of the greatest nicknames I've ever heard. <laughs> I've never heard that, but you know what? It sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to move this. Oh, okay. yeah. We, um, yeah, they nicknamed me the, uh, <laughs> the Joe Queen. And, you know, it sort of stuck for a few years. And I actually designed some fight wear, <laughs> black and vibrant pink, and it's called Choke Queen. My daughter wears it uh, underneath that gi. <laughs> yeah, at the time it was quite funny. But yeah, that, that the reason with the gi was like, yeah, I just found I was more comfortable, I think, mm. if I was truthful, in the gi because it was, I don't know, I found it more technical in the gi. The no gee stuff, you know, were quite slippy and sweaty and, you know, their hands would just slide off. But yeah. in a gee, you know, if you get your, your hand in the lapel mm. and, oh man, I was in heaven. When yeah. I put on a gee for the first time, I thought, wow, I love this. And that was it. I was yeah. like, mm. it yeah. affords you the opportunity to assert your, assert control of the situation. That's what I find. Like with the no gee stuff, it's very difficult to be, um, to be as controlling unless you're like really strong and you're able to hold them in place and like you have like you can't where there's no grips you just have to really understand people's movements like perfectly so you can stop them from going where they want to go yes but in the gi it's very much that if you know where to hold and where to um, put your hand like you can assert dominance over someone very easily mm. um, and all it takes is like getting past their legs and then boom they have to work twice as hard as you do and then in that time you can um, kind of think about your next moves and stuff or just see what they want what they're trying to do and like you don't really have the time to stop and think in no gi jiu-jitsu but um, yeah, it's fast paced isn't it yeah but that's what I like about the gi as well like I like having a moment to myself and go what am I going to do now? Yeah, and breathe. <laughs> Let them work for a moment whilst I, I figure mean, I, out what's going on. I, I, I agree, I agree. But I do believe as well that the no-gi is essential to any 
person training yes. gi, because it also teaches you um, not to rely on your grips. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love to choke, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but equally, you know, you end up with like really with hands. Yeah. <laughs> so training no gi, it teaches you movement, technical ability without the realization that actually I don't have to hold him down for like, you know, mm. to get this technique. I can do it in other ways. So not relying on the grips is a good thing, but I, you know, I do faithfully. Yeah. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> I like that. It's one of the things that I notice the most with people starting jujitsu. Like, especially if they start in the gi, you get them holding onto things a lot longer than they should do. Yeah. It's like, it's, <gasps> yeah. It's, like <laughs> it's a safety thing. It's like, if I just hold onto this, then everything will be fine. And yeah. it's like, your guard's been passed. And like, it's, <laughs> I find it the most with guillotines. People will hold it and then like you're on the other side inside control and you're like, you've got nothing. <laughs> you're just holding it on to it for your own peace yeah, of mind. It, it's for me. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. 100%. I mean, like you say, I think when they first start, it's almost like, well, I'm here. I'm not moving. I'm not in trouble. So I'm safe. <laughs> but I think the Nogi stuff also promotes uh, progression. Like one thing that I find frustrating about gi jujitsu, especially when you're watching it as a spectator, is stalling. Um, with no gi jujitsu, you don't really have that opportunity because everyone's super slippery. <laughs> like, um, and like where you say like the um, the pace is so fast, everything's moving constantly you don't have time to sit down and think about what's going on or to hold someone in a position uh-huh. because you've got an advantage and the time is running low um but i don't know i have i have issues with sport jiu-jitsu <coughs> where people um i'm gonna say abuse the rules like i don't know I spoke about this on Dan's podcast as well. And I was like, it's not a win unless you win. Like, yeah. um, submission and the things like, that's what I, that's what I feel a victory should be in jujitsu. You've progressed as much as you can and you're able to finish the fight. It shouldn't be, I've taken someone down and sat on them for five minutes and then I've won. Like, that's not a victory for anyone. <laughs> like, no. what did you learn from that? What did they learn from that? Well, they learned that they could get sat on for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's not, that's not what jiu-jitsu is about, is it? If no. It, it, it's all about movement, um, technical ability, just showing who has the technical ability to beat that round of chess. Yeah. You know, it's like, like it is a game. And you're just trying to be that one step ahead of mm. everybody else. And if you are, then you win. And yeah. if you're not, then you learn. So, you, you know. And, like, is there anything more terrifying than your instructor leaving an open lapel whilst you're rolling with them? <laughs> like, I can see it, but do they want me to take it? Is that what they're saying? <laughs> Will you roll with Victor? He, he, he smiles. And you know when he smiles at you, it's like, yeah, he's waiting for you to do something. <laughs> And you put your hand in, even though you know you shouldn't. The hand goes in and it's like, gotcha. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> yes, you, yeah, you really don't want to, but you know you've just got to yeah. find out why. Why is he doing that? But there's two smiles. It's like, one, it's like they're proud that you did something. And you're like, oh, they're proud. But then at the same time, it could be that you put your hand in a stupid place. And you're like, 
time to teach you why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you soon learn that. You soon learn that. <laughs> Victor's amazing to roll with, but he he um, he fights you at your level. Yes. So, you know, he doesn't... He obviously knows you're a girl, mm. um, but your level, your technical level, is where he'll spar to. Yeah. And when you fight like that, and, you know, he sits there and he does this with you, yeah, do he does, he'll do it, or he'll stick his foot, and I think... I know I shouldn't take it. I know I shouldn't take it, but I just have to know why. <laughs> and I do it anyway. So, yeah, it's all about learning, isn't it? Mm. Being fun. And, like, I find that, um, like, sparring at your partner's level is very beneficial in your own learning career as well. Mm. Like, um, uh, a lot of the women that... Uh, are at our gym are, are white belts and um, like when I tend to spar like I go to their level mm-hmm. and it's like it forces me to be a lot more technical and to think more about what they're doing and where they're moving and how they're moving and it also gives them the opportunity to attack because that's something that a lot of white belts don't get especially against other white belts if they're being dominated all the time mm-hmm. um, so I think it's it's a great um, teaching tool that not many people utilise. Yeah, very much but, so. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got another. Um, we've got Ina, who's a brown belt, and we've got Emma, who's a brown belt. And when we spar each other, we can let go, sort of thing, you know. Mm. But then when we spar and we with the blue belts or the white belts, and obviously then that's their turn to learn. Yeah. You know, I don't go out to submit them. I go out to <laughs> make them up learn. Tabs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go, oh, I've got 20 now. No. I, I <laughs> will play. got a on the wall. I will, there we go. Yeah, I got 15. How many did you get? No. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> no. Um, I, I use that. That's like, that's my turn to give back. That's yeah. how they can learn. You know, if I didn't have somebody that did that for me, I would be struggling right now. So yeah. it's time for us when we drop down and we go to the brown or the, the blue or the purple, it's our job to bring them up to where we are, if we can. And it, if we kept smashing them and just tapping them one after the other, they would never get there. Mm. You know, it, it could be really disheartening to be tapped and tapped and tapped. So to play a game and to drop down to their level and only use their technical techniques that they can use yeah. is much more difficult but equally, it teaches you as well. Sometimes you forget the most basic move because you've worked on a different level for so long yeah. and you'll get caught with a silly basic move and you'll think, whoa, you know, where did that come from? Because you forget. So we, I certainly, I do keep going back to the fundamental program. We have a fundamental program and yeah. an advanced program and I always jump back in because it teaches you a lot. Yeah. And that's why I love to roll with the lower grades as well. So they can play and they can have fun and think, wow, I nearly got that. Mm. That was so close. Or, oh, man, I caught her, you know? Because <laughs> I'm not saying I've never been caught. I've been caught lots of times. Oh, yeah. But it's great and it's fun. That's you know? the point of it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Like, um, I had a conversation with uh, Maya in my last podcast. Like, when you're sparring in the gym, like, you're... 
you're not trying to kill your opponent. You're not trying to prove anything. You're, you're learning and you're applying the techniques in a more intense environment. <laughs> That's how I see it. So if I fight with a, a white belt and I put myself in a dangerous position to see how they react to it, to see how I react to it, and they jump on it and get a submission, like, I tap. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that they're better than I am. It doesn't mean that I'm a rubbish blue belt. It just means that in that instance, I gave away too much. Uh-huh. Or they were um, a lot further along than I predicted that they were. Or I didn't read their movements as well as I should. Like, there are so many different components to... Uh, how something plays out and like I'm very much of the opinion that it doesn't matter like especially at the highest levels there's never going to be someone like this person is better than this person it's like competition doesn't prove that it proves that that person was better than that person on that day at that time because you can have the same fight three days later and then it go completely the other way and um that's what I find the most interesting about it because for a sport where everybody knows the same moves, watching how people string those moves together differently is, uh, that's the magic of jujitsu. Like mm. I find it's very beautiful to me. And especially like when you see how different body types adapt to jujitsu, like you get the people who are like gorillas and they go in, and they, they, they power through and you've yeah. got like the smash passes and you've yeah. got like the, the, the grips and everything. And then you've got like the spider monkeys who are always like running around to be backpacks and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And like, I love how characteristics are um, like brought to the fore by jujitsu and how people adapt jujitsu to their own personality. Like that's something that I, I, I really enjoy about it. I think that's what I enjoy when I'm teaching is what you have to remember is not everybody is the same. No. So you could teach a technique and, you know, people might not be physically able to get that technique in the same way. <laughs> so you see a lot of places and I've been a lot of places where they'll say, no, it has to be done this way or it doesn't work. You know, that's bullshit. You know, everybody's body is different. And I have techniques that I do and I I modify because I can't get myself in that right position. Yeah. But it works for me. Victor could teach us a technique um, and say, right, okay, this is the way. That's where he does it. But he doesn't go around the mat and say, yeah, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. He'll say, well, okay, so did you try it this way? And I'll say, yes, professor. But unfortunately, I couldn't get my head on my leg or whatever in that manner. But actually, I found if I do it this way, you know, it works for me. Yeah. And he said, great. You adapt the technique. He said to me, his words to me was, um, you take what I learn and you make it your own. Yes. Which is exactly what jiu-jitsu is about. Yeah. If you stand and mandatory say to somebody, that's wrong, that's wrong, you can't do it that way. Mm. You know, where's the fun? Where's their personal development, their personal learning comes from being able to adapt what they're doing? Yeah. You know, if we were all the same, how fun would comp be? Not <laughs> you know, all. If we still go like this, <laughs> you move your foot and then I'll move mine. <laughs> you know? But so that's the beauty about what we do. There's beauty in variation. And like... um 
like last year when I was competing, like I had a lot of success with the Americana <laughs> and um like the fact that I was doing that a lot in competition and out of competition meant that um like I saw it everywhere. Like you just have pictures in your mind where someone puts their arm on the floor in the wrong way, and you're like, I'm getting it. It's mine. <laughs> and then you see that with all of the other um things as well. And it's like like you say, you're you're applying that technique to how your body functions and nobody knows your body better than yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, there isn't even one way to do a technique either. No. Like there's, there's the prescribed way, but then that's always adapted for whoever's performing it. It's just an idea. So mm. you're shown an idea of when Professor Victor shows his technique, that's, his way that's his idea that's his mindset yeah but when you're doing it your mindset's not the same your body type's not the same mm. unfortunately gosh can you imagine <laughs> we'll be like super world champions won't we <laughs> so yeah 100 it's i just think that i don't know about you but i've walked around even outside the gym and you know, you see things happening in the street and you think, well, if he'd have put that arm up that back, you know, he'd have been pinned, he couldn't do anything and the policeman would have been all right. <laughs> you know, you see like incidents that happen and you think, oh, that would have worked on there. Mm. Hands in the wrong place. <laughs> you visualise putting your hands somewhere or like in my home, I cannot walk through my home without somebody and wanting to either try and choke me, try and take me down, you know, it's like Constantly running a gauntlet. On it's like running a gauntlet. You know, sometimes you just walk past and they'll just grab my ribs and go, oh, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's, but that's when you fall to the floor and go, oh no, my back, yeah. what have you done to me? How could you do this to me? Yeah, and they go, I'm sorry, I'll go, I'm kidding. Now you have to make dinner. Yes, yes, definitely, but no. Honestly, yeah, I think, like you say, it's the beauty about what we do is the fact it is fun mm. and we can sit and have conversations and, you know, doesn't matter where you're from on the mat, we're all the same, we all have fun, we all get down, touch hands, bump, off we go. Mm. It's and like learning a new language, essentially. It is. It's just very physical. Oh, very, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Very physically demanding, but, you know... You can only give what you've got and your level of uh, giving might be different to somebody else's, mm. but if, if it's your best, then who cares? Yeah. You know, as long as you give everything you can and you don't waste your time, you know, because if you're going to do something, let's do it. Yeah. But if you go and you sit there and you can't walk out of here without a sweat. Yeah. You go out on, without a sweat, man, you haven't worked hard enough. <laughs> don't come back. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to um, tie up soon. I've got to go that's, that's, somewhere. That's more than fine. Um, <laughs> uh, let me just make sure that I've gone through all my questions. Like, the only real thing was, like, um, so throughout your coloured belt career, uh -huh. what have been your favourite experiences within the sport? Um, throughout the colour belt, uh, I think I could honestly say my best one was when I managed to get back after injury and compete in Nottingham Open. It was mm. it was really hard because it was at a high level. Yeah. Uh, I was fighting the European champion. Um but equally I was fighting myself. 
Mm. Uh, I was fighting my mindset, you know. My body had been telling me no. My head was going yes. <laughs> um, Just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? I get beat. That was my mindset. And my husband and my daughter, well, what happens if you hurt your back? Oh, man, you know. <laughs> but no, yeah. You worry too much. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> no, and it, it was. It was my brown belt. Um, obviously, I, when I received my black belt, that was insane. It was crazy, but it's... Just, was it just something you were expecting? My like, black belt? Yeah, like, were God, you, no. like, on the horizon? <laughs> no. Or? <laughs> no, because I don't think... I mean, I don't think I've ever felt ready for my next belt. Mm. You know, I don't think I've ever gone and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for this. Why is it not happening? I've mm. never felt that. I've always, you just get to feel, oh, I feel great. And then they go, there you go. And they give yeah. you your belts. And it's like, oh, my days. It, you know, we, we've got to start again. But to, to get to Black Belt, it, it, it was a milestone for me. I mean, as I said, it was, it, I never dreamed I would get there. I never dreamed I would get mm. to my purple, to be fair. I can imagine. But it, it happened. And then each time the, the step changed, my goal changed. And I, when Professor gave me my black belt, I couldn't even talk. I was crying away. <laughs> I couldn't speak. I didn't say anything I wanted to say. But it was like... That's I was why we walking. have social media. Yes. Yeah, do you know what? That was, if we didn't have social media, I'd have been screwed. <laughs> But, you know, it's, yeah, it, it was an amazing feeling and it was nice because people, you know, that weren't as much involved in jiu-jitsu then were, you know, like coming around and asking questions and we've now, you know, we've got more and more people who are asking more questions, who passing on their answers and questions to other people and... It seems to be, it seems to be weird. It's generated a really weird transition of, since I got my black belt, it's almost, I don't know, I keep forgetting and I keep coming to this side. So if you, when you have your color belts and stuff, we line up here and your professors is always at the front. So mm. I keep going, <laughs> going back here and I keep that, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. <laughs> but it's almost like you've become an open book for people and they want to ask you more questions now. Yeah. You know, and it's nice to be the female black belt and still have, you know, I mean, not saying a male and a female thing, but, you know, there is no boundaries there. It mm. doesn't matter that they're male or female. They'll come to me either way. So it's, if they're girls, they'll come to me. If they're boys, they'll come to me and ask questions. And it's it's good, you know. It's good to be in that position and to really show others that are coming through. You, you can get here. You know, it's a dream when you start. It's a dream to get to your black belt because there's not many in yeah. the UK, as I said earlier. But we are there now and it's like showing everybody that comes in, look where you can get. Yeah. You know, let's let's really push and get more of us in here because that's what I want, yeah. essentially, to get lots more females black belts in the UK. I think that's what everybody wants at the moment. 100%. 100%. <laughs> right, well, I think we should leave it there. Yes, I More believe so. More female black belts yes, in the UK. Yes, 100%. What a great thing to finish on. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me. No, it's been you. amazing. And um, yeah, when I'm all better, I'll definitely come back and have a 
a role where oh that would you, be amazing where you get to mess me up and I get to we mess will up your students play chess and have fun <laughs> <laughs> right. thank you very much thank I'm you I'm going to stop these oh wicked my phone keeps going he's like we- and there you have it that was uh, today's interview with uh, Melanie Doran and yeah I've got a couple more podcasts lined up um, I'm just waiting on a couple of dates from uh, a couple other people so there should be a steadier stream of these coming through now with less time in between so I'm hoping to have the next podcast out in the next two to three weeks and uh, they should be about the same length in between from then on um, if there's anything that you'd like me to talk about in one of the podcasts if there's someone that you'd like me to interview in one of the podcasts please get in touch. Um, I'm always happy to listen to what people want. And again, this podcast isn't just for me, it's for kind of everyone, uh, despite me controlling it and just wanting to talk to really interesting people, which it's been a pleasure to do so far. Um, so yeah, hopefully uh, you enjoyed the podcast and next time you'll enjoy it all over again. Um, so yeah, until next time. Peace. Mic check. This is me talking. I am doing talking. (laughs) She's doing a really weird voice in Dalek.